Our scripture reading this morning is going to be taken from three different places. Um, three different places. You'll find it printed in your bulletin, and it's probably going to be the easiest way to follow along. We're going to be reading from Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 2 and also Ephesians chapter 4. This is God's Word. Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Then from Acts chapter 2, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And then from Ephesians chapter 4, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray with me. Father, thank you for your scripture, and thank you that we have the chance right now to think about how it applies to our lives. Uh, Ask, Father, that you would help me to, to speak clearly and faithfully. I pray that you would help us as a body to give attention to your word, and that you might be pleased uh, by your spirit to bless the proclamation of your word Uh, and use it in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if I were to walk up to you after the service, or maybe sometime later today, and said to you, hey, would you like to invest $10,000 in this company that I'm starting? You might say, well, what kind of company are you starting? What are you going to do? What are you going to sell? How are you going to make money? And if I just said... Don't worry about that. It's going to be great. Just trust me. Everything's going to be all right. We're going to make lots and lots of money and create lots and lots of jobs. You might have second thoughts about investing with me if I wasn't able to explain exactly what it is this company was going to do and how we were going to do it and where we were heading with it. Becoming a part of a church isn't exactly like investing in a business, but it does involve investing your life in an organization. So what is Grace Presbyterian Church going to look like? What are we 
going to make? Uh, what kind of church are we trying to be here at Pine Street Elementary School? We started trying to answer this question last week. This is the second part uh, of what I'm calling a vision series where we're talking about what we want to be as a church. Uh, Lord willing, if Grace Presbyterian Church becomes a particular church, what will our church look like? Now you might ask, why are you talking about this right now? Uh, this, this isn't the new members class, is it? No, it's not. Um, well, let me explain why we're talking about this right now. Let me give you two reasons. Number one, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we kicked off three ministry teams here at Grace. These are teams that are devoted to making sure we're doing certain things in the life of the church well. We've got a worship team, which is devoted to making sure everything that goes into pulling off Sunday morning is, is in place and going well. We've got a build team, which has to do with building community and building disciples. And then we've got a reach team, which is devoted to, to service and to outreach. Uh, one of the reasons for this series is to, to cast vision for those various ministry teams and for the people who are involved in those. And if, even if you're not involved in one, you're probably going to be asked to help in one of those areas by somebody on one of those teams. So this is the, to cast vision for those teams. The second reason I think we need to talk about this right now is that we've set a date to become a particular church uh, of summer of 2017. Now right now, for those of you who don't know, we're a mission church, which means we're under the umbrella of another church. We're under the umbrella of Mount Calvary Presbyterian Church. Uh, but our goal is to be our, our own deal. We've set a date for that of summer of 2017. Uh, looking at different things administratively, one of them being health insurance, it might be better if we made that change in January of 2017. And I think we're heading in the right trajectory to be able to do that. I know that's a few months earlier than we had said, but I think we can actually get there. Uh, either way, we're, we're going to have to see how things go earlier this year, but either way, we're hoping to particularize sometime in the next 12 to 18 months. We're hoping to, to tear up our learner's permit, so to speak, and actually get our driver's license to be our, to be our own deal. Um, what kind of car are we going to drive once we get that license? All right. What, what, is, what is this church that we're planning going to look like? I think this is a good time for us to be reminded of where we're heading and what we want to be as a church. So let me start up here at, at about 30,000 feet. What's the purpose of Grace Presbyterian Church? Those of you who have been through the new members class know this. It's to reach and to equip. To reach and equip. That flows out of the Great Commission, and, and it sounds nice. It's sort of a, a, a bumper sticker slogan. Well, what does that look like, though? What does a reached and equipped person look like? What do we want to see in people's lives? We want to see people who love God, love their neighbor, and love Spartanburg. Uh, that flows out of Jesus being asked, what are the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then loving the city is kind of a subset of loving your neighbor that we're wanting to emphasize as a church. That sounds good. That still can sound a little bit generic, right? So we've moved from 30,000 feet view, maybe down to a 15,000 foot view of what we're trying to be about. What, what we're doing in this vision series is trying to get a little bit closer to the ground, maybe at the, the 5,000 foot level. What do we want to be like as a church? Uh, one, we want to be a church that worships. And this is what we talked about together last Sunday. We want to take 
worship and, and gathered worship on Sunday uh, seriously. This is not just a Bible, another Bible study in your week. Uh, this is not just a motivational talk. Uh, this is not just worshiptainment, if I could use that word. But each week, we're a body of believers called together to, to worship a holy God and to confess our sins, uh, to humble ourselves before Him, to hear the good news of the gospel, to, to sing His praises, to confess our faith, uh, to, to celebrate the Lord's Supper together, to hear the preaching of His Word. And we, we talked all about that last week. If you want to, if you want to go back and if you, if you missed that, that's, that's online. We want to be a church that worships. We also want to be a church that makes disciples and that does life together and that reaches non-Christians with the gospel. We want to make disciples, we want to do life together, and we want to reach non-Christians with the gospel. And it's those first two things that we're going to talk about today together. We want to be this church that makes disciples and that does life together. And we're putting these two together. These are the things, for those of you on the build team, that kind of fall under your purview. All right? Making disciples, doing life together. Two things we want to do as a church. I know there's the longest introduction ever. Uh, but, but let's talk about these this morning. We want to be a disciple-making church. Now again, you can see that that flows out of the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Jesus says to his disciples, you go and make disciples. Well, how are they supposed to do that? What does the text tell us? What's involved? Well, one, he says baptizing them. Now, baptism is the sign of being brought into a relationship with Jesus. So he's saying, go and, and make followers of me. Go and, and bring people into a relationship with me. Reach people. And that's what we're going we're to talk about that aspect of this next week. Uh, but to be a disciple, first of all, means to be brought into a relationship with Jesus Christ. All right? Well, what next? What does Jesus say next in Matthew 28? Go and make disciples, baptizing them, and then verse 20, teaching them. Teaching them what? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So we make disciples by teaching all that, that Jesus has commanded us, all that Jesus has taught his disciples. We mature as disciples by being taught. Uh, you see this in the Acts passage, the, the very first verse there. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to what? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, who is it that does the teaching? The Ephesian passage tells us he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, which can also be translated pastors, and the teachers. And the pastor-teacher there is really kind of one office. What are they to do? They're to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul tells Timothy, a young pastor, this. He says, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. So the church has given these pastor-teachers... To equip the saints, which is what, what's going on now. Um, but there are other people in the body of Christ who have the gift of teaching as well, right? 
Uh, we've got Sunday school teachers. We'll have elders. We'll have various people who teach. In Titus, older women are, are told to teach younger women. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, parents are told to teach their children. So in, in varying degrees, we're all called to teach. We're all called to instruct. Well, teaching what? Teaching all that I commanded. Well, where do we find that? Well, we, we find that here uh, in the Bible and in, in this book. Um, this book is a big deal. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, there's so many things I could say here. Let me, let me just say two or three. Um, what's the big deal with this book? In the Bible, we have an authoritative word from God. We have an authoritative word from the one who knows all, the one who sees all, the one who created all, the one who knows how it all fits together, the one who holds it all together, the one who knows how we're designed to work best. We've got a word from Him. Um, I don't know how many of you have flown recently or flown into an airport when it was so cloudy that you couldn't see anything. You may have this experience. We had this experience flying into Chicago this summer where you're just clouds, clouds, clouds. Oh, large building right under the plane. And boop, there's the runway. And you're very thankful at that point for what? Well, not just for a pilot who's flying blind because he's not really flying blind. He's got help. From where? From the control tower and from radar. So he's got authorities outside of himself you can actually see where he needs to be going. He's got a word from above, as it were. That's what we have in Scripture. We have a word from above. And if we try to do life without the Scripture, then it's like we're, trying, we're, we're flying blind. And so we have this authoritative word from God in the Scripture. That's why it's such a big deal. Uh, secondly, we have words that are life-giving. Paul says that, that the scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Able to make you wise for salvation. The scriptures are able to do that. The scripture has the power to give life. Uh, the Panthers are playing later today. You, you may know about this. Uh, and, and if they win, that'll be exciting. That'll be a big deal. But it's not really life-giving. I may, maybe for a few minutes. But, but, but the scriptures have this power to bring us to salvation and to grow us into salvation and to bring us home to God. We, we need these life-giving words. Thirdly, these words are used to connect us to Jesus. We hear from Jesus in this, in this book. This is the main way we abide in Him by taking His word and reading His Word and meditating on His Word and then praying back to Him. That's how we commune with Jesus. 
when we lived in Boone, myself and a, a, a guy who was a general contractor and probably four or five college students replumbed our entire, entire house in one day. Now, that may sound pretty impressive. It really wasn't. We had a very small house. Uh, and we were using PEX, which if you know anything about plumbing, it's like it's tinker toys, basically. And you just cut the copper pipes out and, and assemble these things, and, and there's not much to it. And it was pretty cool. But when we got done, you know, we kind of looked at it and admired it for a few minutes. But we didn't stand there for weeks on end staring at the pipes. Because the pipes were important, but they weren't the main thing. What, what were the pipes for? They were to bring water into the house. All right? The, the scripture is like this pipe, and it's important, and we give it its attention, but it's designed to connect us to Jesus Christ. It's a means by which we are connected to Him and commune with Him and receive grace and strength and life through Him. So, as a church then, we want to make disciples by using this authoritative, life-giving book about Jesus through which we commune with Jesus. This book that connects us to Jesus. So what? Alright, so what? What what practically what does that mean for us? Uh, number one, <clears throat> and I know many of you do this, but but pray for me each week as I stand and proclaim the word of God, as I preach the word of God. One of the catechisms we use asks this question how is the Word of God made effectual to salvation? In other words, what do they mean? How does the Word of God become an effective means of bringing people to salvation? And this is their answer. The Spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the Word, an effectual means of convicting and converting sinners and of building them up in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. That's amazing. Do you even know how amazing it is that God uses this to, to bring people to faith in Christ and to grow us and to comfort us and instruct us? It's an amazing thing. But notice the, the very first part of their answer there says, the Spirit of God makes all this work. So I, I could preach the, the best sermon you've ever heard in your life, but if the Spirit of God is not making use of that, if the Spirit of God is not working our hearts and our minds and our lives, then it's just going to fall flat. And the, the converse is true as well. It could be the worst sermon you've ever heard. But if God's Spirit is at work, He can use those words to convert and convince and, and to build us up in the faith. So pray. Pray that, that God would use His Word to do those things uh, in the life of His people. Number two, uh, obviously we want to read this scripture on our own. But it, it can be also very helpful. I think a lot of times we feel all this pressure that I've got to get all this out of the Bible on my own. It can be very helpful just to come in with another group of people and to hear what they're getting from the scripture and to be instructed by one another. Women's Bible study, Tuesday night, is, is one opportunity for you to do that. Number three, and this is for parents, are you teaching your children the Bible? Now, as a, as a church, we want to come alongside you with things like Sunday school and youth group and, and help your children to, to grow in grace and understand the Word of God. But ultimately, you've got to take ownership 
for them, knowing the Bible and being instructed in the Bible, uh, the scripture memory program that Susan mentioned earlier that Mount Calvary does each year is a great opportunity to get a free ride to camp. But it's also a great opportunity simply to get the Word of God into your children's heart and into your heart as well. Um, encourage your children in the Scriptures. Teach them the Scriptures. Another tool we're given to, to help people understand the grid of Scriptures, the, the main points of Scripture, are the, the catechisms. Having our children memorize the catechism can be very helpful to them. Uh, Kathy Keller tells a story that one summer she was working in this really rough uh, inner city. She was working in a church in this really rough inner city area. And she found out that there was this youth, youth ministry that was just going gangbusters that was even in a worse part of town. So one day she decides, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and see what they're doing that's so great at this youth ministry in, in the inner city. And she says, I, I'm not sure what I was expecting. You know, warm-hearted volunteers handing out Kool-Aid and telling people stories about Jesus. But she says what she found, to her amazement, were 200 children divided by age group learning the catechism. Learning the catechism. And she said she had to admit that few things have surprised her more. But she would never thought of using the catechism as a modern day teaching tool. And she certainly had never thought about using it in that environment. The pastor, she said, was used to sort of her shocked disbelief and, and constantly got questions about this. You know, why are you having them memorize the catechism? Don't they just need the basic gospel message? When are you going to get around to that? And this is what that pastor said. These kids know nothing whatsoever about God or Jesus or sin. They've never even heard the words except as curse words. We're building a framework in their minds of words and ideas and concepts so that when we do tell them about sin and the Savior who came to die for it, there is a way for them to understand what we are saying. Using a catechism. Giving people a grid to, to understand the story of Scripture. Uh, think of all the things, parents, that, that we're teaching our children that we want them to learn and know how to do, the things we want them to memorize and be good at. Where does, where does the Bible fit into what we want our children to know? And then fourthly, I think I said three, but fourthly, uh, if, if you're on the build team, this is, this is half of your job description. To, to foster relationships and venues within Grace Presbyterian Church where we can make disciples, where we can study the scriptures together, uh, and to evaluate the things that we have going on already, uh, youth group, Sunday school, community groups, whatever it is, how, how are we doing in these things? Are, are we really using these well? What could we be doing better? Uh, we didn't have enough interest this year to, to pull off the couples retreat. But that may be something in the future that we look at and go, yeah, that would be a good way to build community and to build disciples as well. Things like going to, to summer camps, all these things for us to think about and say, what, what are things that are good that we can plug into? What are things that we say, ah, maybe not? Uh, what are things that we can create as ways to teach and to build disciples? Uh, we want to be a community where God's word is being used 
to teach and to make disciples. All right, second, second big point this morning. This one will be quicker. We want to be a church that does life together. We want to be a church that does life together. I've said before that it's very easy to show up on Sunday morning like this is my spiritual QT. And I just run in. I'm here for a little longer than here at QT. But I run in, I get my fill up, and then I'm gone for the week. You know, if there's like a Wednesday activity, maybe I pop in then and, and top off the tank, and then I'm good to go. But, but the rest of my week is largely divorced from the people that I'm with on Sunday morning. It's evident in Acts chapter 4 that the early church, that those folks were, were doing life together. Verse 42 of, of Acts chapter 4, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. To the fellowship. Or verse 42. Verse 44, they had all things in common. Verse 45, they were selling their possessions and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Passages like Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 2 show that the Christian's lo- Christian life is not to be lived in isolation, but it's actually to be lived in community. It's not just you and your Bible and Jesus. It's you and the people of God together. Acts envisions this radical connectedness between believers. They were meeting together for public worship, and then they were meeting together in their homes. When there were physical needs, they took care of those needs even to the extent of selling possessions to take care of those needs. Now, I feel like you always have to say this when you, when you read this text. Uh, this is not a proof text for socialism of some kind, because verse 46, they were meeting in homes, which meant somebody didn't sell their house. Somebody still owned a home. In chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira get in trouble not for keeping back part of the proceeds of the property they have sold, but for acting like they were giving everything that they have made off of the sale of that property. So it's not promoting communism or something like that. But I think it's so easy for, like, when you explain that, for everybody to go, and to feel like, okay, now I, I don't have to think about how I'm spending my money or how individualistic I tend to look at the world around me. I don't have to have my buying and spending and living habits challenged. And I, I really do think we have to kind of have to look at this passage from time to time and let it let it bug us a little bit and challenge not only my consumerism but my individualism and how I just want this to be about me. They did own private property, but they saw it as something that God had given them to be useful in serving others in the body and and outside of the body as well. But look, here's a point I want to make. Church is not something we just show up for and then leave. Church is a group of people that we want to be connected with as possible. Um, think Think of a university. A lot of people live, they go to class, And those people in their classes, they may know one or two of them. But other than that, they have no real involvement with the people in those classes outside of the classroom. Now, some schools have these things called learning communities where they try to make people a little more enmeshed with each other. Uh, Appalachian State has this thing, and some other colleges may have it too, but they have this thing called a residential college within the university. And on their, their frequently asked questions page, people would ask, well, what's the difference between a learning community 
and a residential co uh, college. And this is what they said. Faculty and students develop close and cohesive relationships, sharing not only the residential situation, but meals and numerous other co-curricular as well as curricular learning experiences. Now that's, that's university speaker, I've ever heard it. But, 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 but what does that say? They're basically saying the difference is there's more of an emphasis on them living and learning and eating and doing life together. We don't want to be just one more class that you show up for on Sunday morning. If, if that's where you are right now, that's okay. I know different people are at different places in their lives, and that's okay. But our, our dream for everybody is that you be more and more connected to this group, uh, to, to more and more be a part of this group of Grace Presbyterian Church, that you would begin to make connections to folks in this body outside of simply seeing them on Sunday morning. We're not going to all move into a dorm together. Don't, don't worry about that. Uh, we're not going to take over Pine Street Elementary School and like live in the closets and pop out when the teacher... You know, we're not going to be weird. We're not, we're, not, we're not doing anything like that. But there is supposed to be an us. There is supposed to be an us. How do you, how do you foster that? How do you foster that? That's another thing that the... The build team is tasked with figuring out. Ideally, much of that is going to happen organically. Um, my kids going by the Wilcox's house the other day and saying, hey, do you want to go sled? And them inviting us over to watch a movie the other night. Uh, you calling somebody and saying, hey, you want to go grab a beer? You want to go get lunch? You want to go get coffee sometime? Just making connections with each other outside of Sunday morning. We'd love to see the bulk of that happened organically. But we also know that we have, we're, we're a scheduled people, and we need a little push sometimes, and we need to be able to get things on our calendars. We need, we need avenues that help us connect with each other. And so we have these things called community groups. We've got two community groups that meet right now. Uh, there's one that meets at our house immediately after worship. There's another one that meets at the Groovers, or actually meeting the stories tonight, but that meet at five o'clock on Sunday afternoon. And we'd love for you to connect one of those groups. We'd also love to see more groups develop. We're, we're growing as a church. I'd love to see a, a west side community group, a north side community group as well, in addition to the, to the two that we have now. Uh, we, we'd love to see more community groups form here at Grace. Well, anyway, that's the type of thing, connecting, enfolding community, that this build team is also tasked with building disciples and building and developing community uh, among the people of Grace Presbyterian Church. We want to be a people that does life together. And look, this doing life together is also connected to the first point. Doing life together is connected to discipleship. Because part of the way we make disciples, it's not just teaching. Oh, that's what I emphasized this morning. It's not just teaching. It's also setting an example. It's also learning from those around us. Uh, parents, do your children see your need for Jesus? Do they see you demonstrating that? Do they see your love for Jesus? Because if they don't see that, then when you, you can put them in all the Sunday school classes you want to, and what they're going to hear is, ma, 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 you know, kind of the Charlie Brown teacher thing. If they're not seeing this demonstrated by you in the home, 
Paul tells Timothy, command and teach these things, but he also says set the believers an example. And so part of discipleship is us being connected to other people, setting examples for each other. And for the the world outside as well, here's what it looks like to walk with Jesus. Here's what it looks like to live differently. Here's what it looks like to love other people. Here's what it looks like to confess our sins and to forgive one another as well. Last thing, in our teaching, uh, in our doing life together, in in both of those, we want to point other people to Jesus in all of that. Uh, Those of you who have seen The Amazing Race, you know that often people will be in a foreign country looking for some landmark. They don't know how to get there, so what do they do? They stop and they ask a local, hey, how do you get the whatever? And then you'll, you'll just see one team after the other stop and ask these people, how do I get to? And they point them to what they're looking for. That's our job as Christians, to point other people to Jesus Christ in our teaching, in our living, in, in everything that we do. To, to point people to Jesus, but also there's a, there's a twist to it because we have to persuade people as they plow through life looking for success, looking for belonging, look, looking, 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 that what they're really looking for, what they really need, is to know Jesus. He's the Savior that they need. We want to do that as we teach and as we build. We want to point one another. We want to point those outside of the church as well to Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we, um, we pray that we would be these things that we have talked about this morning. That we would be a worshiping community. That we would be a, a teaching community where we are making disciples and where people are growing in grace, growing in their likeness to Jesus Christ. Uh, we pray that we would be a community. That we would uh, more and more do life together that we would be connected with one another outside of just this worship service and that we'd be able to come alongside and encourage one another and bear one another's burdens, uh, pray for one another and, and speak the gospel into each other's lives. And Father, we pray that in all of this that we would be a light for the gospel and that we would indeed be pointing people uh, to the Savior they so desperately need. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.